Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I am joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. And this week, right now, okay, guys, in real life, we just have to make a quick announcement. In real life, (gasps) it is March 9th, we're recording this, and... Tara, we recorded last night too. And Tara was like awkwardly creeping with me on the phone. She was like, <laughs> yeah, and this topic. And I'm like, okay, I think I can talk about this. And But basically it was last night before we hung up with each other, we were 50 downloads away from a million. And this morning when she and I were both awake, she messaged me and was like, are you available to chat? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I have to tell you something. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, Tara has... Like, I mean, the farthest, the her tone was so, like, morose. I was like, shit, she has cancer. Out of the blue, she's just telling me something like that. And no, it was the opposite. She's like, we hit a million. So it was, like, really hard for me to process, first and foremost. <laughs> It's been a great day. Yeah. We are officially a podcast with over a million downloads. And both Tara and I are over the moon and have so much gratitude for our listeners and just the community we've built that you guys have built. So we just want to say a big thank you because... This show would not be where it is without you guys. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it's just one of those things that even though it's happened and we can see it and we know it's a real thing, it just doesn't feel real. It's just, it's, I guess surreal is the best way to describe it. Like, it's just very, it's very hard to put into words how grateful I am and Jessica is for all of this because it's just, I don't know. I was just like, I, We didn't know what this was going to turn into at all. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. just like, we're going to buy some shitty microphones because let's be real. We started with shitty microphones. (laughs) And we did. (laughs) We did. (laughs) And, you know, just like go from there. And it just it continued and it grew. And uh, we're just so grateful. So you guys are amazing. So thank you so, so much for listening to us multiple times a week, every week. We love you all so, so much. Yes. Oh, now with that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if you'd like to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to any of them. So like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our handle is Three Spooked Girls. If you want to hang out with us in our Facebook group, which Tara and I are both in, and we have some wonderful mods and they're helping out creating some content and 
some fun activities for y'all. That is Three Spooked Girls Official on Facebook. And it's so much fun in there. We have a book club and there's a lot of things that the mods are like, we're brainstorming about. So you guys will be excited. So if you want to hang out there, Three Spooked Girls Official on Facebook. And if you want to help support the show, head over to patreon.com backslash Three Spooked Girls or hit the link in the link tree below in the show notes. So for little as a dollar, you get bonus episodes. And if you heard our announcement on last Thursday's Stabby Snippet, we kind of went through and picked some of our top patron all tier episodes and we're releasing them from the vault. So if you like that kind of a content, definitely check it out. I think the one that just went live is basically from like two years ago. Mm -hmm. It's one of our very first episodes on there. Yeah, I think it's April or May's of 2019. I think May because I remember Jessica chose you chose the last meal. So I think it was your birthday month. But yeah, it's really old. So the audio is obviously not as good as it is now. So forgive that, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a fun episode. If you haven't listened to it and you're new, go listen to it. It's a lot of fun. Definitely. Definitely. And then we're going to be releasing more every other week. So you will be able to hear some more of those type. And if you want to, you can join for a little as a dollar and get a ton of backlog. Basically, like that is like one a month for like two-ish years, two, three-ish, almost three-ish years. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And for $2 and up, you get Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews and plotline, better known as Slaughter's because that title was a mouthful when we thought it up. We weren't thinking. <laughs> And basically what I do is you get two of those a month. The first one is a guess what? It's really short, very minimal. It's very minimal detail and you try to guess what it is. The second one of those is I literally do what the title says is I slaughter the plot line because I cannot tell a story in a linear fashion. You guys can tell just from my announcements I'm making right now that my brain just boop, boop, boop everywhere. So imagine me telling you a story as a movie. And Tara knows I don't really take notes on them. I just use like, a review online or something like that to like make sure I don't miss anything. So it gets quite fun. And if you're a $5 and a patron, you get the Haunted Ground series, which is Tara's video episodes each month, and they are fantastic. We just recorded March's Last Night, and I'm going to tell you it is fantastic. So fun. So fun. Yes. And she comes at you with a caffeinated beverage. So far, it's just been coffee drinks. She has been promising us some tea, possibly, but time will tell. Bitch, let me move. Let me move. And also, can I be annoying and point something out? The reason it's called Haunted Grounds is because of coffee grounds so quit hassling me quit i know you keep saying it so i just keep bringing it back up i literally said (laughs) let me fucking move and then i will order tea i I said this to her last night (laughs) i like to harass tara it's fun she's my friend so it's okay it's fine. <laughs> and then $10 and up patrons get patron selects, which this coming Thursday will be another patron select. So you'll definitely get to check that out. If you are thinking about joining at the $10 tier, you should do so now because we have booked into September. Mm-hmm. So they are like boom, boom, boom out. So if you are interested and you want an episode dedicated to you and you want that $10 tier and all the perks that come with it, get on that. Yeah, get on it, y'all. At this rate, very <laughs> soon, it's going to like last, like just a couple weeks ago I was like yeah it's all the way in July and then last night Tara was like it's in September now and I'm like oh goodness (laughs) definitely check that out Well, before we get into the content for today, we are going to take a quick promo break and then we're going to come back and I will have a drink and Tara will tell you a little bit about our person hello and welcome to scare you to sleep 
Have you ever felt like you needed something a little darker than whale noises or counting sheep to unwind at the end of the day? Maybe you've realized horror itself can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Every week, I bring to you a myriad of bone-chilling tales, from 19th century dusty tomes to modern up-and-coming authors to truer spooky tales like Reddit mysteries and time slips, all accompanied by a gentle voice and ambient music and sounds so that you feel immersed and lost in your own personal horror story. You can find Scare You to Sleep exclusively on Spotify. So, grab some earbuds, a cozy corner, and join me, Shelby Scott, every Thursday, and let's get unsettled together. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Hey ghouls, do you like to get spooky and stay spooky? Then check out our podcast, The Golden Ghouls. Each week, we talk about our favorite things, ghosts and the paranormal, Sound like a good time? Then give us a listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. Well, welcome back from that promo break. We hope you enjoyed those and maybe give them a listen. Now, since we are talking about Judy, I hope I'm saying this right. Buenoano. 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 I don't know. There's so many different. Okay, I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. It's fine. I've heard her name like five different ways. Buenoano. Bueno. 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 I don't know, but when I get to tell y'all later what it means, you're going to fucking die because I had to (laughs) instantly tell Jessica. (laughs) So my favorite was I was there like the one video I kind of listened to, but it was really like not not that great of a video. So I stopped listening to it pretty quickly. So it will not be on the sources page because I took nothing (laughs) from it. Yeah. Except for the fact that I was like, the person was like, and it's bueno, bueno. Oh, God, we really don't know how to say that. We're just going to rush on into it. I was like, I know that because that's what I do. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. So our drink, Miss Judy. But since she's known as the Black Widow, I got you guys a Black Widow cocktail. And I like this one because they came with a like nice little like blurp about it Mm. so that I can just tell you. The Black Widow cocktail is a sleek and sinister Halloween beverage with a sharp bite with the smooth black currant liqueur mixed with vodka and coffee-flavored Kahlua makes an unforgettable cocktail. And, guys, it has activated charcoal in it. Oh, okay. All right, all right. It's very pretty and has, like, a little blackberry in it. I don't know if this person thought blackberries were black currants, but I don't think those are the same things. I don't know. Probably not. Really hope they weren't making that mistake. But whatever. It's still very pretty. I'm glad that it's charcoal Mm -hmm. that's probably giving it that color versus like black food coloring. Yeah, because that'll like stain you hella bad. Yes. Okay. I'm going to hand it over to Tara and she's going to tell us about this very interesting serial killer that neither of us knew about and has gotten very, very little press. Mm. Yes. Okay. So Judy, she was actually born, her name was Judius Welty, and she was born on April 4th, 1943 in Guanaja, Texas. Probably wrong. Texas people, please don't yell at me. Thank you. Okay. So she had two older siblings and one younger brother whose name was Robert. Okay. Documentation on this case 
is pretty shitty. Let's say that. So <laughs> we did a lot of digging in the last few days on this. So uh, yeah, just, just wanted to say there's no names for these older two siblings, but we'll move on. So her mother would sadly die of tuberculosis when Judy was four. After the death of her mother, her father would place her two older siblings up for adoption and send Judy and Robert to their grandmother's home. It was also noted that they bounced around from family members' homes as well, and she was also temporarily placed in foster care, where she said she was a victim of physical and sexual abuse. But by 1955, Judy's father would remarry and take a job as a farm laborer in Roswell, New Mexico, which that might sound familiar to you, especially patrons, Uh because we did Area 51 a year or so ago. (laughs) Probably longer now, but you know, you know. And Judy and Robert would join him and their new stepmom and step-siblings there in Roswell. Now, Judy said she was severely abused by her stepmom and father and said that she was beaten, starved, and forced to work long hours. What was interesting was... When I was reading about that, a lot of people seemed kind of skeptical on this because this only came from Judy and couldn't be confirmed. But I mean, I could see it happening for sure because, hello, Sylvia Likens, like, oh, right. doesn't justify what she does, but just saying. At the age of 14, she was sentenced to two months in prison for physically attacking her stepmom and step-siblings. Some reports say her father was attacked by her as well. Some did not include him. And after her two months were served, Judy opted to go to essentially a juvenile detention center. She went to Foothills High School, which was described as a reform school. Now, she did not attack Robert, her younger brother, so of course her caseworker and the school were like, well, what about Robert? And Judy's response to that was, quote, I wouldn't spit down his throat if his guts were on fire, end quote. The fuck? She hated the whole bunch. But I mean, if she went through what she went through, then like, can you blame her for hating them? Just saying. Because there was also some allegations that some abuse also happened with her younger brother as well. It's kind of like basically everybody in that family type of thing. Now, Judy would go on to graduate from Foothills High School at the age of 16 in 1959. After graduation, she became a nursing assistant and would use the pseudonym Anna Schultz in 1960. Why, you ask? I have no clue. I tried to look and couldn't find it. The only thing I could really think was maybe she had to be 18 to get the job, but I don't know. It didn't say. It just said, this is the name she used the end. I was like, all right. All right, Anna. (laughs) The following year, Judy would have her first child. She named him Michael Schultz. So she was probably, you know, still going by Anna when she was in the hospital and stuff. His birthday was on March 30th, 1961, and Judy would never discuss who the father was. He was born out of wedlock, and even in the 70s, they still made a huge deal about this and all of that, so she didn't really talk about it. It was rumored that she had gotten pregnant by a pilot from a nearby Air Force base, but this was never confirmed. Judy would go on to find love, though, and she would get married to James Goodyear on January 21st, 1962. James was described as an Air Force officer. Some articles listed him as a sergeant. Those are two very different things, but 99% of them said officer, so that's what I went with for this. A few years later, James would get orders to McCoy Air Force Base down in Orlando as part of the Strategic Air Command, so they all relocated, of course. And while down there, by 1968, Judy would open up a business. She would open up Conway Acres Childcare, which her husband fronted all the money for her to do so. 
Now, during this time, James would get orders to go on tour to Vietnam in 1970, and he would return the following year in about June-ish, so like summer. Then, just three months later, something weird would happen. And something weird happening is going to be a theme, guys, so buckle up. He would come <laughs> down with a, quote, mysterious illness, and then would die on September 15th of 1971. Doctors would conclude that his death was due to complications of a heart attack. Now, with his death, Judy would collect life insurance, of course, and other benefits because he was a service member. So the life insurance payout for money was $28,000 and then $64,000 in VA benefits or veteran affairs benefits for those who don't know, which in total then was $92,000. Now, I got really curious with all this money she starts raking in, so I did the calculations for everything to compare to 2021 money. And in today's money, with the inflation and all that good stuff, it came out to $589,841 and then 76 cents. So over half a million dollars. Closing it on 600K. That's crazy. That's a fuckload. Then there's more. So there would be a house fire, which resulted in Judy getting a payout from the adjuster of the house. And that would be an additional 90K, which, yes, yes, I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, that's almost what she got in just the life insurance shit. So she got almost another 600K. It was over 577,000. That's insane. Yeah. The bitch just became essentially like a millionaire if this was today's money. But Judy don't let shit get to her. No, no. She was on the move and she uh, she moved on with life and everything, you know. She started dating another man. His name was Bobby Joe Morris and this was in 1972. So she wasted no time. By 1973, she had moved her and the kids down to Pensacola to live with him. And it was noted during this time that Michael was being, quote, disruptive in school and had low intelligence, end quote. So she... I guess didn't want to deal with it. She put him in resident foster care temporarily. Not how you help your kid or deal with things. But okay, Judy. Okay. I guess that's like what happened to her. So she figured she'd do the same thing. I don't know. Right. So we're going to flash forward a couple years now to 1977. And Bobby would relocate to Trinidad, Colorado. Judy would, of course, follow him the following year in 1978. And she took her kids with her, including Michael. So he was back in her custody. And wouldn't you know... Bobby became mysteriously ill. And weird how this keeps happening. He would be hospitalized as well. And he would go into the hospital on January 4th of 1978. He would actually stay there for a few weeks, but he was released around like January 18th or 19th-ish when I did the math. But shortly after this, literally two days later, he would collapse. So he would be taken back to the hospital, right? And he would die on January 21st. Damn. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure you know what's coming next. Insurance money. Hello. And in the eyes of the adjuster and also the law, she was deemed his common law wife. They never got married, but whatever. And I looked it up. There's no time limit or anything for Colorado. They had obviously been together for quite a few years at this point. So, you know, makes sense in a regular case. So she got $50,000 according to her testimony on this. So over two hundred grand in today's money. Damn. Another big check. Yes. Now, Bobby's mom was thinking this was all a little bit sus. And she was like, he's been killed. There was shit going on. You know, like, 
there's something else to this. But while they're having that conversation, Judy decided it was time to leave Colorado behind and move back to Pensacola. And this is when she got that new last name. She changed her last name, the one that is said 500 million ways, the Buena Ano or whatever you want to say. But there was a grammar error with this. She wanted, <laughs> you're welcome, guys. You're going to crack up because we did. She wanted it to mean Goodyear, which would be Bueno Año, but it was Bueno A-N-O, which apparently translate to good anus. I told Thomas this. <laughs> and he like heard it as like good like good booty. And I was like, that's not a thing. That's not what that means. And then he goes, Oh no, no like you mean the hole. And I was like, I mean yeah. the hole. And he's like, <laughs> and his reply was, I think Judy was just born a few decades late or early. Cause like Oh Jesus Christ. And so I giggled because I thought it was funny. Oh, Oh my goodness. Okay, so back to our back to our story here. So the following year, in 1979 now, Michael joins the Army and he would be stationed at Benning in Columbus, Georgia. After graduation from basic and AIT, he went to see Mommy Dearest. And I'm sure you can guess, weird shit started happening. Oh no. Right? Poor Michael. I feel bad for him. I mean, I feel bad for all these people, but I especially feel bad for him. So he visited mom and then he, of course, had to go report in at Fort Benning. And when he got there, he obviously got checked because he started, his body started like flipping the fuck out. He started showing symptoms of poisoning and doctors found high levels of arsenic in his blood. So much so that a few weeks later, Michael's muscles in his arms and legs were so atrophied that basically he, well, not basically, like legit, he couldn't, couldn't use his hands and he had to have metal braces to help him walk. And I just, oh my gosh, I just feel so bad. And of course, with all of this, he was now unfit for duty. So he was discharged from the army and he went home to Judy in Pensacola. So something to note that I forgot to mention earlier is when she was married to her first husband, they did have two additional children together. They had James Jr. and then also Kimberly. And I think also why there really isn't much documentation on who Michael's birth father was, was because James adopted Michael. So his name got changed to Michael Goodyear. And then they just kind of left it at that. Yeah. And I don't think she wanted to tell anyone who the father really was. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. But anyways, so on May 13th, 1980, Judy, Michael, and his brother, James Jr., they all went canoeing on the East River. And the canoe would flip over, and Judy and James Jr. were able to get out from under the canoe. But remember I said Michael was in metal braces, so this weighed him down in the water, and he sadly would drown. Now, when authorities talked to them about this incident, Judy gave multiple stories on how the canoe flipped over and it just kept changing and changing and changing. And eventually, I'm assuming they were just like, okay, whatever. So they ended up ruling it as an accident. And wouldn't you know, Judy would receive $20,000 in life insurance for Michael. Uh. So almost $64,000 in today's money. I just, like I said, I just feel like these conversions are really important because it just really puts it in perspective. Like how much it is. Yeah, because like $20,000, yes, that's a good chunk of change. But it's like for insurance policies, that seems kind of low today. But yeah, it's just, here's this check. Here's this check. 
And as Judy does, she moves forward and keeps trudging. Now, this time, during the same year, she opened up another business yet again. This time, it was a hair salon. And it's noted that she used the payout from Michael's life insurance to pay for that. Then she would end up meeting another man named John Gentry, who was a businessman, and they met at a bar and hit it off pretty well because flash forward two more years and they got engaged. And after their engagement, she convinced him to get a life insurance policy with her that they both needed one. And this time, the payout would be the biggest one yet for her. It would be 500k if he ended up dying. So $1.4 million in 2021 money. That is a lot. That is so fucking much. That is. Like, Jesus. But okay. But of course, she was a creature of habit, and what happens now isn't a surprise to anybody. So in December of 1982, John comes down with a cold, and being the great future wife she is, she decided to help aid her fiancé back to health by giving him vitamin C pills, which, weird, made his symptoms worse. And they made his symptoms so bad that he actually had to be hospitalized. Now, luckily, John would survive. And then the following year, in 1983, Judy would tell John that she was pregnant. Spoilers, she fucking wasn't. (gasps) Yeah. The fuck? Let's just keep adding to the trash that Judy is. The audacity. Yes. And she had told John that he should run out to get some wine to celebrate. Well, when he went out to his car, it was—it blew up. It was firebombed. Oh, damn. But thankfully, John must have like nine lives or something because he survived the explosion and he was actually, he would be okay. He didn't die. Good for John. Yes. Now, of course, because car bombings are not a fucking normal occurrence. The police followed up with him, you know, after a couple days to kind of let him recoup. So they talked to him four days later and they started digging. And once they did, they found a lot of discrepancies, I will say, with Judy's past. Obviously sparks red flags, right? So they're like, we're going to take a look at this bitch a little more. So they dig deeper. And what do they find out? They find out that those vitamin C pills from the previous year actually had arsenic in them. That's why they were making him sick. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Another huge ass red flag, obviously. So then it gets authorities thinking, wait, all of these men in her life and her son have died and she got insurance payouts every time. Oh, and also, like, somewhere in here, there was a second house fire, so she got more, like, homeowners or renters insurance from that, too. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, we're going to look at this because this is sus AF. So what they did was they exhumed Michael, James Goodyear, and Bobby, all of them, because they wanted to have autopsies done and take a look. And wouldn't you know, all of these victims had arsenic poisoning. I don't know why I'm acting surprised. I know all of them. (laughs) I know, I know. Because with Bobby, they thought originally the doctors thought the same thing as with James because he collapsed or whatever. They thought heart attack issues type of thing, you know? So literally when I was reading about this, the detective on this was like, if she didn't do the car bombing, she probably would have kept getting away with this. Like she'd done fucked up at this point. So yeah. Changed her MO and the whole, everyone was like, wait a tick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to hand it off to Jessica to finish up our story. Okay. So like Tara mentioned at the beginning, this story is weirdly reported in the news. As in, there's not a lot of facts and there is a lot of like 
repetitiveness. So get on board for some really vague, but then sometime detailed <laughs> occurrences. <laughs> it's like they picked and choose, which is just weird because yeah. I feel like this is the first case in a long time that this has happened to us. But it's it was still interesting. So we had to do it. We had to. Yeah. I mean, she's dubbed the Black Widow and she was dubbed mm-hmm. by the prosecution as the Black Widow. Mm-hmm. That was just in the trial for her son. I mean, she went to trial three separate times in like 1984 to like 1985-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some dates, like one of the things that's hard with this is because reporting back then, it's not like how today, for instance, like I will use the Megan Harry interview, for instance, people were able to like look that up really easily and be like, what quotes, when this happened. Think It's really easy to like narrow down those facts. Well, this is the 1970s and 80s. And they didn't necessarily have all of those facts together. So please bear with me because I will try to stay on point. Just so that you know, I've come across four different dates for James Goodyear's death. So, and they're all like, one is like September 12th, September 13th, the 16th, the 15th. So it's like all in the same area, but like, I don't know. I'm just so glad that reporting is easily fact-checked today. So, like I mentioned, she was dubbed the Black Widow in her son's trial, which took place in 1984. I googled, you can ask Tara, I literally (laughs) cried to her in a voice message because this episode, I feel like I have done more research time on than I normally would because it was just trying to find the information. Mm -hmm. We definitely were like, we're going to give them one they've never heard of because nobody's ever heard of her. (laughs) Not even the press. Like I found a lot more about her on like UK press than actual United States. Interesting. That's interesting. Other than like when I couldn't get access to newspaper in Florida because apparently I used all that shit up during the Casey Anthony case. That's fine. That's fine. And I am not (laughs) subscribing to them. That $4 a month is staying in my pocket. Watch like that actually be like the most detailed everything and I could have had everything for this, but like... What are you going to do? It's okay. Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. So when she went to trial for her son, Michael Goodyear, she was sentenced to life in prison and she tried to play it off like it was an accident that they did, in fact, go for like a fun family outing, her and James Jr. and Michael in a canoe. I have several questions like, why was he not wearing a life jacket? Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that maybe in the 1980s, not so much a big priority. However, he was handicapped Mm -hmm. and the prosecution went on to say it wasn't an accident the guy was paralyzed right he had 15 pounds of braces on his legs without a life jacket he was taken up the river in a canoe and basically pitched out fucking terrible that particular one so in like 1984 she went to trial for michael and was sentenced to life in prison And then she also went to the attempted murder for John Gentry, Mm -hmm. which I was just like, poor dude. Dude, for real. I believe I read it. It's down here somewhere else in my notes. I believe she got life for that as well because she didn't actually kill him. Mm -hmm. But I'll let you know momentarily. But on August 31st, 1984, she was indicted for first degree murder for the death, the suspected arsenic poisoning of her husband, Sergeant James E. Goodyear. We've got, Tara did mention, we don't actually know his rank because (laughs) it's convoluted. (laughs) 
Yeah. (laughs) The evidence of the trial was really compelling. Basically, he went to like South Vietnam, came back totally feeling well. And a lot of people got sick, you know, because it's a lot of like, it's a different environment. Like I know when I traveled to, to Europe, even like my stomach did a flip when I first got there. And then when I first came back, but like the fact that he got like real sick, like he had the big flu should have been a big like, hmm. What's going on? And then the fact that he was like hospitalized and then he got better and then he left and then he came back and he died within like a two week period. That should have been like a huge red flag. I mean, a Dr. Anschenbach, I think that's how you say his name, could find no explanations for symptoms outside of poisoning. Like he was healthy. He was in good shape. I mean, he had just literally been on a deployment. Right. And then he comes back, basically has a heart attack because his body is shutting down. Like it's basically like a cardio. He said it was a cardiovascular collapse and renal failure. Oh, man. Technically, what this doctor said is Goodyear suffered fluid overload and pulmonary congestion and died as the consequence of cardiovascular collapse and renal failure. Like, those are big words. Like, be strung together like that. Yeah, those are oof. Poor dude. And like, at the time of his death, like, of course, they didn't do poison. Like, they didn't test for it. Because like, why would they, you know? And then when they exhumed him, they found all of this, these levels. So it's like, it's not good. And forensic toxicologist, Dr. Leonard Beznarchek analyzed the tissue samples from him. And he testified that the arsenic found in the liver, kidneys, nails, hair meant that he was exposed to chronic exposure. So like heavy handed. Mm. Yeah. No, they basically, they actually got some like really good docked from what I can tell. And the Goodyear trial was much more documented than anyone else. I think because it was the oldest one and people were like, how the hell did this go unnoticed for so long? Right. So like Tara said, if she hadn't tried to blow up Gentry, they wouldn't have ever known that she was killing people because I mean, they were deaths and I mean, men die of heart attacks. I think that was something that was very much perpetuated during that time is that, you know, heart health was basically a man's disease. So like the fact that these two men died, her husband and then her boyfriend died of like a heart attack probably didn't immediately red flag people. And then she tried to blow someone up and they were like, wait. Well, and the other thing, too, is the second one was in a totally different state. Right. So there's also that, you know. So, yeah, that's just terrifying to think, like, if she didn't do this whole car bombing thing, how many more victims she would have had in her life. Right. If I was John Gentry and my fiance was like, I'm pregnant, go get wine. I would have been like the fuck and the fact that they found out that she was sterile like years later she had had her tubes tied oh my god yeah no like she was sterile and i'm like can you imagine (laughs) i'm sorry i'm just like okay judy is trash it's fine we know (laughs) right Now, throughout all the different trials, it's not just these doctors that are coming in. People who actually knew her testified against her. So Constance Lang and Mary Beverly Owens testified against Judy. And they basically, they said on separate occasions, the subject of killing a person by arsenic in food came up. And that Judy had confessed to them one time that she had killed James Goodyear. Wow. Why didn't they say anything? I mean... Like, 
I'm just saying. I don't give a fuck. Someone tells me they killed their ex-husband who died. I'd be like, "Mm, you might want to talk to Judy. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Right. And it could also be that they were like, no, there's no way this happened. Like, he died. Like, who knows what it is? And it doesn't, I don't know, maybe she's just like one of those people who tells a lot of lies. I mean, she obviously is. (laughs) Right. So they're probably like, Judy's making shit up. But still, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they were like a little sauced and she was like, and guess what? I killed him. And they were like, oh, Judy, you didn't kill him. Probably. Now, with Bobby Morris, like you said, with his case, they had a common law marriage. When I heard this, I was like, I wonder if this is one of the reasons why like common law marriages aren't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. One, probably because they're very messy. But like two, I mean, these men lived with her. And so she had access to this like... Straight access. I don't know. Like, I always think of the the show Bones, right? And there was an episode where, like, one of their colleagues got poisoned in their tea. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder if this happens. (laughs) And apparently it does. (laughs) So Judy gets convicted of James Goodyear's murder. And she is given the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting because, like, that didn't happen all that much to women. Right. Yeah. No, before her, I read it was like the 1800s was the last time a woman was executed. Right. Thanks for stealing my thunder, Tara. Just kidding. And on top of that, because she committed insurance fraud, she got, like, multiple accounts of, like, fraud and theft and arson. Like, she was just, like, racking shit up. And she was then incarcerated in the Florida Department of Corrections at the Broward Correctional Institute, death row for women. So she was going there. And she tried to appeal several times. Of course. And... They weren't successful. And so she was set to be executed on June 21st at 12.01 p.m. However, at 8 a.m. that morning, she was granted a 24-hour stay of execution because she was going to be executed on Old Sparky, which is like the oldest or was one of the oldest functioning like electric chairs. It was actually carved out of like a single piece of oak, like a single oak tree. It only had three legs, which I thought was an interesting fact. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Right. And it was like in the 1920s, like 1923, it was carved or whatever. Well, she was set to be executed on those. However, Ever, her lawyers claimed that the chair was malfunctioning and therefore her death would not be like, it would not go off as planned, which would be cruel and unusual punishment. At first, they were like, okay, we have to look into this. And they did. So she was actually given a stay of execution for longer. Basically, like the week before she was supposed to go, like it had executed someone, but like it caught on fire. Oh, God. Uh Uh-huh. And then, like, she was, I think she was supposed to get executed in 97 or was, like, going to be slated to be. Like, they hadn't announced it yet. But in 97, the electric chair, I don't mean to laugh at this, while executing Pedro Medina, flames shot out from under the face (gasps) mask. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, this was not a reliable chair. No. And then it kind of malfunctioned a little bit before her execution in 1998. But they were able to, like, be like, no, it's okay. It's fine. But like Tara mentioned, prior to her execution, it was like 150 years that they had executed a woman. And basically, it was a young girl who stabbed her owner to death in 1848, was the last woman to be executed, and then 1998. 
Wow. Tells you the times. Mm-hmm. Judy had filed an appeal up until like literally the day before, like March 29th, 1998. And it didn't go through. They were like, no, you have killed all of these people. You need to be held accountable for it. Lady, you need to just let it be over. Mm -hmm. So Judy spent her final hours with her adult children. So I'm kind of glad you did mention them because otherwise this would have been awkward to be like, hey, she had other kids. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, no, I had them in my like written notes. But then I guess when I typed it, I just either accidentally deleted that part of my notes or glazed over it. I don't, I swear (laughs) I remember typing it. (laughs) It's like one of those things where you're like, how could she be a mom? Yeah. That's for me. That's like, wait, how is she a mother? Right. Like a mom. And then she had a daycare center she ran. Oh, God. And, you know, it is terrible. She killed these men she was with, but it's like she killed her own kid. Right. Like, that's worse. Like, you're supposed to nurture and protect your children, not fucking murder them. Right. Ah, Judy. So Judy spent her final hours with her kids, Kim Hawkins and James Goodyear. Some other relatives, including a cousin by the name of Gina Eaton came to visit as well. And she had some religious advisors, which was very interesting because we're going to talk about a case like in the future of a woman who was executed about the same time as Judy. And she got all the attention because she was literally like, she'd killed these people and then she found God in jail, in prison. But it's like, Judy also had religious people with her. But also, Judy never talked to the press, so there's that. Yeah. Before her execution, like I mentioned, her cousin Gina Eaton was with her, and she said that she had no fear at all, mostly afraid of leaving her children and how upset they were. And then in a television interview, like a couple of days before this all happened, she basically, like, her last big public statement was, I want to clear the record for my grandson. I would like him to know that his grandmother was not a murderer. Oh, my God. I don't believe you. And, like, how could James Jr. be like, my brother was just like murdered in front of me but yet I'm supporting you like I would be like no not coming to your execution so the execution was set Monday March 30th 1998 which I thought was apropos because that is Michael's birthday interesting it was set for 7 a.m so at 4 a.m they got her ready dressed they did the whole head shave thing like that and then she got to eat her final meal which consisted of broccoli asparagus strawberries and hot tea she entered the uh, the chambers at 702 and then she very shortly after was executed by electric chair and then afterwards her body was cremated and then the world was rid of a crazy mean lady like i don't understand this like and i mean she had to be a sociopath because For sure. there's no way that like you kill your son and not be a sociopath right exactly and then ugh, ugh. i mean to have like the wherewithal to be like i'm gonna take him out on a boat i mean we talk about like women killing their husbands all the time but like when it's your kid it's like i don't have a child but like i have a dog and like i would be devastated like more than devastated so like if i actually like had a human child like i'm sure that would be like times a billion that feeling well yeah because Because the whole point is, as a parent, you're supposed to protect your child and give them the best life they can possibly have. Like, I cannot, I am a parent, I cannot fathom doing anything malicious to my child, hurting my child in any capacity, let alone fucking murdering them. So, like, I really hope there is a very special place in hell for these people who kill their children. Me 
too. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. We hope you enjoyed it or at least like got to learn about an, a serial killer that we don't, we didn't know, like we didn't know about. Like yeah. like Tara said, I think we were looking at articles about women's serial killer and I think we saw the last name and thought it was funny. Yeah, that's pretty much how that went. <laughs> yeah, we we're like, ooh. So we were like, ooh, this is gonna be a great episode. And then it was, I still liked it. It's just there wasn't a lot out there. So yeah, it was interesting. Interesting for sure. Nowadays, there's so so much out there. Oh, yeah. No, most definitely. Okay. Well, we will see you back here on Thursday for a stabby snippet. Bye, guys. Bye.